This call is being recorded. Hello, and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, Leonie Rosenstiel, who is the author of a book, non, nonfiction, Protecting Mama, Surviving the Legal Guardianship Swamp. Leonie, are you there? Yes, I am, John. I'm so glad you could be with us today because you have quite a story. And I know that at some point, everybody's going to have someone like you or someone that that uh, raised you that's going to need some help. That's true. And it's, it's a growing number of people. And sometimes they're friends, sometimes they're loved ones, sometimes they're parents. And it can vary. I had this with both my husband and my mother, but the results were different. Yes. Yes. Well, um, I, I also see that uh, you had a, an, another important person in your life that's passed on as well. And that would be your attorney, David. Yes, that's absolutely true. He's the one who got me my freedom back, freedom to speak to you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to talk to you this morning. Well, you know, that's something that I... I you know, I, I'm listening. I'm listening myself to my to to you and people out there are listening. They're going, huh? We can't do that, huh? You know, that's that they're going to be thinking. Let's find a way to get get this done without spending. Well, let's get to the spending later on. <laughs> mercy, mercy, mercy. I don't know how you did it. I really don't. I wasn't sure at the time that I was going to, but it became a quest for me and it was a promise to my mother so I needed to fulfill it and that's uh, quite a fulfillment uh, and it's it's good for for you and good for people that listen to you because you have such tenacity in doing this and, and it'll it'll show it'll show as we get along and we get deeper into your book um, I, I was looking through here certain items and there was an item that you said, secrecy breeds feuds. Um, five ways to avoid fights. Can you help me with that? Okay, well, there are many different ways that families get off the track. And one of them is secrecy about money. Another one is secrecy about social beliefs or religion. Uh, those are like three different areas in which families often get into arguments. Uh, secrecy about medical matters. Um, if nobody knows what your problems are, then nobody understands why you do certain things. But we have a law called the HIPAA law now, which means everything's secret. And the only people it really keeps information secret from are the people who care about you. It may not keep the material secret from people who want to harm you, 
but it may keep things secret from uh, a second child. If you give one child power of attorney, then that's the only person the doctor can communicate with. And so people need to be aware of this because it affects all kinds of communication, and the person who's left out tends to feel annoyed, angry, uh, as if the family has left them and gone away, Mm -hmm. and it causes all kinds of hurt feelings. Money's another issue where people don't say um, what they're going to do with their uh, what would normally be someone's inheritance, the person makes assumptions sometimes. And I've seen that happen with many families. I had a cousin who um, assumed that whatever my mother had as assets would normally pass to her. And I can, I've can i never figured out why that was. I didn't find it out until a letter from her appeared in the court records because the guardian had filed it. And I was totally amazed and shocked. And I had two cousins, and only one of them had that assumption. And it was a very, very strange situation. There were a lot of secrets kept in my family. My parents didn't keep financial secrets or medical secrets from me, but apparently they did from the other side of the family. And so they had expectations that were totally unrealistic and got very annoyed when those expectations were frustrated. So you never know what's happening unless people are honest with you and tell you. I think that had I been in your shoes, that I would have probably reached some level of being berserko that, uh, I don't know, I'm in court, where are my rights? And you don't have any rights. And exactly. One of those was was the big one. I mean, I would just be I'd, I'd be boiling over. Well, you um, see, the assumption in the in the guardianship situation is that the whole situation is between the person who either does have the capacity to make decisions or doesn't have the capacity to make decisions, and the court itself. And so you're just like a fly on the wall. Your input is not uh, often not sought. Uh, people you don't know mm-hmm. come in and start making assumptions, mm-hmm. and they start writing things to the court, reports to the court, that theoretically are of the same nature as if you had sworn in a court to tell the truth. They're supposed to be telling the truth. And there were all these wild stories in my court record that had nothing to do with the truth, as if uh, a certain person owned a piece of property. They could have gone to the county records and looked up who owned that piece of property, but they didn't do it. They could have asked me. I offered to supply a deed. They said, oh, no, no, we don't want to see what you have. This is very, very odd behavior. The only reason they can get away with it is that these hearings are conducted in secrecy, and then after the person dies, they try to seal all the records so no one can have access to them. Mm -hmm. And that was why I was willing to spend five years trying to get my mother's records released. Well, it's really scary. Um, the, the information you've given me and the, the story that you have 
coming from your book is uh, it's 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 much needed because we're we're all going to be there at some point, or our children will be there at some point. So nothing I don't think it it would be any better than uh, this book, your book, uh, for their preparedness of what is inevitable. Well, what I'm trying to do is is find people who have had some success, like me, and create a group of peer counselors for people who are going through this issue currently, because I don't think they have any idea what's in store for them. I True. think it's it's a it's a minefield. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are mm-hmm. a lot of people who think, well, you know, I'll I'll get. Mama wants to give me the power to sign on her account, so I'll just be a co-signer on her account. But if you do that, you can get into trouble with Medicaid later. You can get into trouble with the state later. I mean, there are so many ways you can get into trouble by trying to help someone that it's not funny. Mm-hmm. And I've, I actually, I actually created a course for people who want to understand this so that they don't get into trouble and so that they contact the right people. I'm trying to get together now a group of attorneys who will not do what my first attorney did and uh, work for, literally work for the other side while saying hmm. she was telling the court she was my attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't discover until much later that she was doing that and when I discovered that she was, she told me, I'm also your mother's attorney. Well, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically, ethically, you can't do that as an attorney work for two different parties in the same case. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was when we parted ways. So it's a minefield. It's a swamp and a minefield, and there are creatures in that area of work that I would not want to meet on a dark night. I really mm-hmm. wouldn't. I, uh, I think you put it well when you describe this as a, a new and different bureaucracy. And you gave it a great adjective. And it's Kafka-esque. Oh, it certainly is. It definitely is. Um, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what someone might invent next. I'll give you an example. I went to visit my mother after I was allowed to see her again, and that took court action. Um, I walked into her house one day, walked into her room. At that point, she was in bed because she had broken her hip. And I walked in. As I walked in, I heard this tremendous explosion. It was coming from the television set. And Mama was very agitated because she had an aide who was watching television and watching this very violent show. And it was a huge explosion, like a building exploded on, on, the, on the drama that was on television. And my mother was scared. She had dementia. She didn't realize it was just a television show. Mm-hmm. Right. So she was very upset as I walked in. She said, oh, no, no, you, you, you can't stay. And as she started to say that, the, the uh, aide walked out of the room. And I said, why not, Mama? She said, because this place is going to explode at 2 o'clock. Because she'd obviously just heard that in some of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. 
And I got a letter of complaint from the guardian saying my mother didn't want me to visit her that day, and I insisted on visiting her anyway. Well, the guardians... That's how crazy it is. I'm sorry, that's how crazy it is. Yeah. Uh, The guardians uh, seem to me to have all these uh, intentions of uh, caring for this, caring for you, caring for that. But when it comes down to the nut crunching, uh, these people are just, you know, they're just another lawyer. Um, there might be six or eight lawyers in the courtroom aiming their law at you. <laughs> we did you have know? that experience. Yes, it's terrible, uh, terrible. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, so what a classic definition. I actually, you know, I, I've, I've read some of uh, Kafka's uh, books. It's been a while. But I, I went to the dictionary for my uh, audience, uh, my listeners, and um, this, as I said, the Kafka-esque frustration. Now, the definition marked by a senseless, disorienting, often menacing, com- completely. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's like you, you're throwing your hands up. You, you can't throw them up quick enough and nothing to matter five times. Well, there's a, there's another word that uh, goes with this entire process, and it's called gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And my mother, strangely enough, had a particular interest in that movie because she said when she was in she was in the South Pacific during World War II. She she um, was the head of a unit of uh, codebreakers. Um, in Papua New Guinea. And she said one night they were watching, they had, they used to have these shows on the, you know, on the base to to give people recreation. And this particular night, it was the movie Gaslight, which is a classic film. And she didn't get to see the end because there were Japanese soldiers seen in the trees. Uh, when they were changing the reel, and of course that completely changed the evening's uh, recreation to to searching to see whether there were any other soldiers on the base who were unauthorized. So when she got back, one of the first things she wanted to do was see the movie Gaslight, and she told me about it all the time. And what it's about is a man who's trying to make his wife think she's crazy. And so he moves things, or he changes what he says, or he keeps information from her. This is exactly what the guardians do. And they do Mm -hmm. it to the entire family. And sometimes if there are are multiple people who have an interest in the welfare of the person they're supposedly taking care of, they will not tell the truth to one party about the other party. And so it creates all manner of uh, disputes within a family that there might not have been one to start with, but right. they're created. Right. And all oh, this family is very contentious, they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they, these are the uh, people called the professional guardians. They're the ones that exactly, kind of they call paint the walls with that. They call themselves professionals. I, I mm-hmm. tend to want to believe that you know professionals have a higher standard of ethics than to try to foment trouble between family members. Well, that was hopeful wishing, I must add, uh, Leonie. Uh, 
you know, it didn't happen in my case for sure. Well, you you learn different. That that's that's the that's the hard way about it. Um, well, it's it's painful, and I've seen some other families where I think a lot of the problem came from the people who were creating the trouble, and they're professional mm-hmm. trouble creators. Right. And I am very concerned that people don't realize this. A lot of these people actually do go around speaking because, as many people do, they're speaking to get more clients. Mm -hmm. And very often you'll find someone you know to be a member of that profession and you know what they have done in a certain case because you know about that case. And they're speaking at a senior center on mediating family disputes. Now, you know that if someone has a family dispute, they're much more likely to go to a course like that and say, oh, I'm going to learn how to fix it. And what happens, I'll go up to the instructor and ask questions, and then the instructor uh, can manipulate them. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. that concerns me greatly. But there's nothing, you know, obviously people are allowed to teach whatever they want to teach. And if they're going to go and speak, they are allowed to do that. But I really think that family members of people who've been under commercial guardianship deserve equal time, and they don't get it because so many of them are under restrictions about what they can say. Well, professional guardians, guardianship, they're the ones that uh, basically, I think, make every attempt they possibly could to smear family members, um, and they often have said here, I made this note, family members were only unjustified malcontents. Um, and I hate to say it, but that was sounds like my first wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who are in that category. Um, right. uh, when they When they get power is when you start having industrial-sized problems. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's a family issue, and you deal with it by getting a divorce. Right. But you can't, you can't divorce yourself from a guardian. And what happens when people try is that the court then appoints another professional or commercial guardian, and you start the process all over again because they all seem to have learned the same M.O., and mm-hmm. so they're all going to start in the same way, and you're going to go through the same process again. If another commercial guardian is appointed, they all, they have all gone pretty much through the same training. And the training is families are bad, we are good. And if you're trained that way, you want to believe that. Then whatever mm-hmm. you do is justified. Whatever the family member does is probably bad for the person you're trying to take care of. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they want to make it make it sound that way. Well, that's what think... they say to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they say to the court. Mm-hmm. Whether it's true or not is a matter of opinion, and their opinion generally is different from any family member's opinion. Now, your your book, Protecting Mama, that was launched recently, wasn't it? I'm sorry, that was what? Launched. Recently? Oh, yes. Yes, it was just launched. Mm-hmm. Okay. Terrific. Congratulations. Well, thank you. It's on Amazon, and anybody can get it. It's even free to people with Amazon, um, with the Kindle Unlimited subscriptions. Uh-huh. So it's, okay. it's easy to get. 
That's good. Very good. I was looking also at some of the things that you're interested in, or, or at least, because um, I ran across Reiki. Yes. I yes. have been a Reiki master since the 1980s. That's fantastic. And for all you listeners out there, you need to know more about Reiki uh, because I've learned it. I've, I'm not a practitioner at all, but at the same time, I have some good people that know know how to kind of put me back on the right sound wave. I, I think a lot of these um, modalities and ministries, another one, um, make it possible to survive where otherwise you would simply end up tearing your hair out, that you know there's a larger purpose to whatever it is you're going through, and you understand that you wouldn't be given this if you couldn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. And right. that was part of what helped, and David helped a lot too. He was also an ordained minister, by the way, an, an attorney oh. who was an ordained minister. It, it was a great combination. It sounds that way. Um, I was looking at your list of expenses. I assume <laughs> you incurred. This is this is out of this world. I mean, this is. That was a list that came from my commercial, my mother's commercial guardian when we were in the process of what's called discovery in the court case. Uh, they produced their QuickBooks for the years that my mother was under their care, and they claimed to have spent over $4.5 million on her care mm-hmm. of her money. That was her, her money. money. Right. Her money. Right. What you... Uh... Now, were these the comfort keepers? Um, some of them were, some of them weren't. I have to tell you a funny story about that. Um, the caregivers that they hired that they had after my mother broke her hip, um, they said, they told the court that they had uh, skilled caregivers, skilled nursing care. And most of the time they didn't, but the charges were like half a million dollars for six months. Mm. Mm. And they put two people on her uh, care for the, for the time after she broke her hip. And I ran into another um, person whose loved one had been under the same guardianship firm's care. Now, they told me that she needed two caregivers because she could not get out of bed. They didn't allow her out of bed. They didn't mm-hmm. give her therapy for her broken hip. She didn't mm-hmm. have it set surgically because she had breathing issues and they couldn't give her general anesthesia. But they could have given her some kind of you know, therapy for that. They didn't. So she ended up in bed for the next almost four years. Mm-hmm. So they told me she needed two caregivers because she was in bed. Uh, this other person I met, they told... Like she's going to get up and run away. Ex- no, no, exactly. <laughs> he had broken his hip. They said, oh, no, he needs two caregivers because he can get up. <laughs> so your, your guess is as good as mine why they had two caregivers. They had also right. had an evaluation done that they didn't tell me about. I didn't find out till discovery that um, she didn't need two caregivers. And this was done like a month after the hip fracture. So they Mm -hmm. had almost four years of unnecessary expense there. Right. 
Well, I must add to this um, my own personal uh, experience, and that is that uh, my my mother passed uh, due to Alzheimer's, and uh, just prior to her passing, a couple of months, she uh, um, broke her hip as well. And um, she never walked again. And she never walked again because she couldn't remember how to walk. Um, and we were loving. We were there. And it was a kind of a, a, a clue. She just stopped eating. And when she stopped when she, when she would turn down bacon, that's when I knew it was over with. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, we're all big, big, big bacon eaters here in, in Texas. And uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't long after that she just stopped eating altogether. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I, I didn't have to go through and, and suffer with this battle you've uh, uh, been in and obviously you've had some success with this and I believe people will read that in your book and know that is well thank book. you thank you it was very hard one success I'll tell you well um, somebody's got to do it and you're the one well thank you I'm working hard at it <laughs> I can tell I can tell well I want to uh, ask you again no, I haven't asked you. You've volunteered already. For people, if they want to get in touch with you or buy your books, you want to run over that again? Okay, well, I can give you my, my email. I, people can contact me that way. My name Good. is, the, the email account is l.rosensteel, that's spelled R-O-S-E-N-S-T-I-E-L-1 at gmail.com. And that's the number one. That's the number one. Okay. And uh, uh, listeners, make use of that. And find yourself on the uh, internet ordering up a, an Amazon book. Um, I used Amazon as well for, for my book. Um, I would say that uh, this has been informative. It was just a view of, of what people go to, go through, as you have. And a lot of people have no idea that this kind of thing can go on and, and, and suffer from it. Just to have no idea. Now they know. And those that read the book, you can know even more about it. Are you there, Leonie? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, Thank great. you, John. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed being able to speak about this. Well, it's it's good. It's a good thing to to talk about because people need to know. About I think it. they have no idea. That's right. I they really don't. Think most people are just unaware. Well, this whole this whole thing is 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 based upon a, a total lack of integrity. Uh, just no 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 way to to even look at it any other way than that. My concern is that the secrecy breeds uh, a whole cadre of people who know that their actions will never be open to public knowledge or scrutiny at all. 
And Mm -hmm. so they feel justified in doing anything they please. Because all of these actions take place in secret. All of the records are called sequestered. And even a person who's been involved in a case, if they want to use that information in another case, the judge can say no. You're not allowed to to have that proof that the person did what you said they did. And so it becomes, it starts to look as if people have invented information, but they Mm -hmm. haven't. They can't get their hands on it. And that's Mm -hmm. why it was so important to me to get my mother's records opened so I could actually document what happened. Because otherwise it's just one person's word against another person's word, and Mm -hmm. that's not helpful. You need the documents. Right. Melanie, it's been a good visit. I'm going to thank my listeners for tuning in so that they could uh, hear and understand uh, you and your book. Uh, I'm glad they turned in to listen to Searching for Integrity. Uh, So long and happy trails to all.